Good afternoon, good evening. You're on equal footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. It's great to be back in the studio after that period of quarantine, battle with COVID, etc. On the other side of it, so nice. I am ready to nerd out tonight. We're going to be talking about the history of C-SPAN. You know, C-SPAN, it's, we think of it as just on cable TV, but it's actually a multi-platform service on TV and online and radio. And it's pretty amazing. It plays an important role in our democracy. So I think there's also an interesting question about the observer effect, like how has C-SPAN, since it came into being in the late 70s, affected American democracy? I'm joined uh, this evening by Howard Mortman. And Howard, since February of 2009, uh, has been in the D.C. political communication space. He's a veteran media guy. He's communications director for C-SPAN, which, to be clear, we'll get into this, this is a private, uh, privately funded public service providing television coverage of the U.S. Congress. It is not funded by taxpayer dollars, contrary to uh, mythology. So Howard's a veteran of many D.C. media organizations. He's observed Congress from positions at MSNBC, the National Journal, the International Broadcasting Government Agency, known as the Broadcasting Board of Governors, the online pioneer New Media Strategies. We're also going to get to the fact that uh, that Howard is the author of a wonderful new book called When Rabbis Bless Congress, The Great American Story of Jewish Prayers on Capitol Hill. So it'll be a little nice detour tonight. Howard graduated from the University of Maryland in 1988. He's got a couple of years on me where he studied government and politics, and he and his family live in the suburbs of our great capital, Washington, D.C. Howard, welcome to Equal Footing. Thank you. It's, it's it's incredible to be with you. Congratulations on your recovery. That's the bigger news than me being on. It's recovery from a, a horrible disease, but it's great. You sound wonderful, um, and, but it's a pleasure to be with you. Oh, thanks, Howard. Yeah, last time we spoke, I was in a bad way, so I've got my little uh, post-COVID voice going on, but I'm pleased to have had my negative tests and be on the on the other side. So, Howard, you know, we, you and I were pre-gaming about kind of the, the title for tonight's show, and I toggled back and forth between two kind of nerd, nerd points of view. One is the, the idea of the unblinking eye. I mean, C-SPAN is omnipresent, but it doesn't like, it's, there's no partisan perspective given. And then the, uh, and also the idea of how does that unblinking eye, how does that observation affect actually the way people are speaking on the floor of Congress, the way we interact with our government. Let's start by just explaining to our audience what what is C-SPAN hour. Thank you. And uh, you actually, to be honest, you you nailed it perfectly in the introduction. Uh, at its core, C-SPAN is a television program or television uh, provider of coverage of the U.S. Congress, um, live gavel-to-gavel coverage of the House and the Senate, plus other government and political related activities inside of uh, around Washington DC uh we cover the government we show the government uh we are not the government though we are not as you and thank you for so much for mentioning that in the introduction we are neither funded nor managed uh by the government not a dime of taxpayers money go to us we are privately funded created by the cable industry uh and now funded by the cable industry and satellite providers um so this is entirely a non-profit but private operation. Uh, our mission is very simple. Our mission, boy, when you say unblinking eye, that's 
that puts you right into the middle of it. The mission is to trust the American people to be able to make up their own mind, to think for themselves uh, of what politicians are saying, are doing, and acting. Um, so when you're watching us, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to my colleagues uh, express any opinions or narrate the news. You're simply, at its core, watching politics, watching the government, and hopefully coming away with your own opinions on what's happening. Okay, so let me give out the number to our listeners to participate in this conversation about the way we interact with our democratic process through this now 40-plus year institution of C-SPAN. I'm on equal footing with Howard Mortman, Mortman who's a D.C. media veteran and director of communications for C-SPAN. Our number is 718-303-9090, 718-303-9090. If you're shy about being on the air, First of all, you don't have to say your real name if you don't want, but you can also text in a question to 917-428-4062. That's 917-428-4062. Howard, you said C-SPAN is not uh, funded by the government. Uh, I understand it was set up in the late 70s when the cable industry was getting off the ground. There's a small portion, a few cents on our cable bill that goes to supporting uh, C-SPAN, you know, if you're a subscriber to, uh, to cable television. And it, it, what does it cover? I mean, is it, cause I, now I see C-SPAN 2, C-SPAN 3, there's C-SPAN radio, and it, what does C-SPAN actually cover on a daily basis? Great, great. So the, the core, we cover Congress. We show the feed of what's happening, uh, live on the floor of the Congress. Uh, we, uh, it's kind of a second tier to that, but equally important is the hearings, um, the, the committee hearings. We have cameras covering hearings. Um, now, when Congress is not in session, uh, or in addition to our coverage of Congress, the White House, um, everything the president says publicly, where there are cameras, we are there. Uh, the White House press briefings, plus, and this is a big addition to the government stuff, our panels, our think tanks, uh, experts, people who are, who are leading discussions. Uh, our coverage on C-SPAN 2 is the Senate. Um, the C- on C-SPAN is the House. On C-SPAN 2 is the Senate. Uh, on weekends, though, C-SPAN 2 is about books, about nonfiction books, 20, uh, 48 hours of coverage of people who have written nonfiction uh, books, uh, public affairs-related books. Um, C-SPAN 3, our third network, uh, cover- during when Congress is in session, typically you'll find hearings on C-SPAN 3 uh, on weekends. Uh, you'll find American history. You'll find uh, lectures, uh, professor lectures about American history. You'll find... Uh, visits to museums and talking to this authoritative voices about different uh, periods in American history. So it's it, it's all about, in, in some way, it all weaves together public policy or politics or history, uh, but it kind of untangles the American experience in just many different uh, many different ways. So I think what people most associate it with is that gavel-to-gavel coverage uh, that started in, I think, 1979 for Congress and mid-80s, if I'm not mistaken, for, for the Senate. And are those C-SPAN cameras, are you guys controlling those? Are those controlled by the, I guess, I don't know, the Congress or the Senate? Yeah, and, and thank you for the history. Yes, so C-SPAN itself, C-SPAN 1, the, the flagship network as it is, as it were, uh, began in, uh, uh, it, it went on the air, essentially, well, it went on cable in 1979, March 1979, and that is the date that the U.S. House of Representatives 
flipped the switch on its own televisions, uh, its own cameras. So on March 19th, 1979, uh, after years of, of wrangling and fighting and debating, uh, the U.S. Congress, U.S. House of Representatives said, okay, let's put our deliberations, let's put our proceedings on TV. When that happened, what we did at C-SPAN, this is well before my time, but you know, we were a company preparing for this, a nonprofit company. Uh, we took that feed that the government provided, that the Congress provided, and we put it on our channel. Um, so that was essentially, for all intents and purposes for history, March 79 was the beginning of C-SPAN because that was the day that the Congress, that U.S. House of Representatives went on TV. And you were absolutely right, and that's such an important point. When you're watching Congress itself, the floor, the ch- inside the chamber, you are watching C-SPAN, but you are not watching our cameras. You're not watching... Okay. Uh, our own camera operators. It's what the government provides. It's their camera angles. It's their audio. Um, they decide when they start and when they stop. But what we do, you know, we add just a couple graphics, like who's speaking and the topic they're addressing and the time. Uh, but otherwise, you're seeing a government feed. Now, we don't. We, for years, we've asked for. Um, we and our colleagues in the media have asked for independent cameras, uh, independent media cameras. We put in there, and both parties over the years have said no um, to that. So we want them there. It hasn't happened. Um, the second big part of the story is... It happens. After, it happens. Sorry so for the interruption. It happens sometimes, right? Like I remember in the Clinton impeachment trial in the 90s, there was a little bit of a, a balagan around the control of the cameras. And even even January of 2020 in the first impeachment trial for, for Trump, I remember reading as well about some jostling around so every once in a while when it's like a real buffo event or hearing as you put it that you know there is you know there are cameras let in right it's not always the government cameras oh you're so good at this i i love it yes you you're totally right for the as you say buffo the big events typically that's defined as a joint meeting of congress or a joint session of congress okay. and those are examples include as you mentioned like the beginning of impeachment the, the day one of a new session when they're sworn in, uh, State of the Union addresses. Uh, independent cameras are allowed in for for um, uh, for most of it, or at least the beginning, um, when a foreign leader addresses Congress. Uh, that's a considered joint session. For for those times, yes, there are independent cameras, um, and that's great and that's wonderful because you can see uh, you can see angles and you can see different shots of the of the chamber that we as American taxpayers should, in my opinion, should be seeing all the time. Such as the beautiful ceiling, and you know, and the gal- the gallery. Um, so, but that that's that's infrequent. Um, let's but, take, but, that's, but you're totally right. This. Let's take so. a step back for a second because I think we take it for granted yeah. now with the ubiquity of social media and what some people call narrow casting. Every little thing has its own like coverage avenue that everything should be covered, and we should have maximum transparency. But this is actually a debate that goes back to the founding of the Republic. You know, in, in, in geeking out, researching for this show, I read some of the debates around this, uh, the Constitutional Convention in 1787 and the back and forth between Thomas Jefferson and James Madison about whether it should be open to the public. The issue of, of its secrecy was heavily debated. And now I think we think about the Founding Fathers as being always about maximum transparency and visibility, but that wasn't really true. In fact... This is a debate that goes back to ancient Greece about to what extent should the people's representatives' deliberations be secret. 
And there's some value in that, not giving away strategy to one's enemies. Hearings on, there are certain many hearings in wartime, for example, that are held secretly. But we've been moving towards more and more transparency in our democracy, especially since Watergate. And obviously, you know, C-SPAN comes into being in, the, in, you know, several years after that. To what extent do you feel it's still controversial? Like, do you in your daily life managing you know, communications for C-SPAN right at the center of the world's most important and, and most, thank God, well-functioning democracy, do you still encounter that philosophically or in the academic community? You know, should things be so visible? Is there a place for private, secret, or maybe secret's the right, wrong word, private deliberation with our representatives so they can speak more freely so they can not always feel like they're under the microscope? So I love that you're headed this direction because I love this conversation and it's so critical and so few people go that far to even to, to bring up, you know, why is there transparency and is there enough or is there too much? So I thank you for, 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 for headed this way. Um, a couple, a couple thoughts. Um, first of all, I love your history. Yes, the Constitutional Convention, they even, if I remember, they even, uh, blackened the windows so people right. couldn't see them right in the U.S. Constitution. So it was totally amazing. Um, okay, now, so let's talk about current times. Um, uh, a couple points to raise. Well, the easiest one. So we, we show Congress uh, live, gavel to gavel when it's in. We show the White House uh, when there are events the cameras are allowed in. Let me quiz you. What's What's missing in that equation? I've named the executive branch, and I've named we've named legislative branch, Supreme Court. I want to see the I want to see the arguments in front of the justices. <laughs> I know you would you would think we'd be allowed to as taxpayers paying their salaries um, and deliberating about the laws that affect us. Thomas Jefferson that actually that. thought that yeah. the, that it was the branch that most needed visibility. That, yeah. that those arguments should should be anyway. Yeah, mm-hmm. go ahead. So. So, so, are there, so there's, you know, so a third of the government we can't see, um, the, the oral arguments we're talking about, the Supreme Court. Um, then we get into really fascinating discussions. There are people who say, well, Washington is broken, and it's broken because we have too much coverage. We have cameras in places we shouldn't be. In other words, it's our fault. It's our fault that things don't happen or things happen poorly. Uh, take the cameras away. Right. That'll solve everything. Um, so that, that's, that's, I'll leave to up to your listeners to decide whether that's a valid argument, but that's definitely out there. Well, there's, there's um, an argument for that yeah, philosophically, sorry for the interruption, which is that this observer sure. effect. In physics, it's called the Heisenberg uncertainty principle at the atomic level. The idea that observing something, and certainly the cameras being there, that's really clear. It's in your face. You're speaking in the camera if you're on the floor of Congress. That can It can actually affect the outcome. It can affect what you're comfortable saying and not. And so there's, you know, that there's, that, that is actually ended up being the title of our show tonight, The Observer Effect. And is it, is that effect good or bad? Right, right. And I would, uh, although we don't, we're not an academic institution, we don't really argue i think for our cases you know we want we want cameras in as many places where there are government and or media events going on and um you know it's just uh, you know there's actually <laughs> you reminded me of one of my favorite examples so we're talking about areas of the government that's closed and there are, uh there's a, and <laughs> this is a little obscure but it's an important example even the media itself uh, keeps our cameras out uh, of events and, and there's a specific example um you know dc Pre-COVID was full of media, fancy media dinners uh, every spring, and there is a fan, the fanciest of them all, 
is something called a gridiron dinner. Mm-hmm. And the gridiron dinner is, uh, is uh, where the media gather, they salute themselves, and they sing. They do skits and all that. Um, and no independent media ca- cameras are allowed in. We, we can't. The, we, it's not just C-SPAN. No cameras are allowed in to cover the media holding an event. So, mm-hmm. you know, every, you know. so just it kind of, you know, it, it, I mean, it, these are not critical events, but, you know, there are enough out there to say, well, you know, do, are we truly a transparent you know, government country or not? And there's still there's still more places I think the uh, cameras should be allowed in. You know, we're going to take a break in a minute, but I, I want to come back to the areas that are not covered, the Supreme Court, and get back into our history a little bit. We're on equal footing. I'm Dove Tusman. I'm on with my guest, Howard Mortman, who is a D.C. media veteran and director of communications for C-SPAN. We are geeking out on the ops, the observer effect in democracy. These cameras have been on the floor, gavel to gavel, in Congress since the late 1970s. Well, I guess in the House, late 70s, mid-80s for the Senate, and it really has changed our relationship with the legislative branch. We'll be right back on equal footing, and hopefully we'll be able to take a couple of... uh, text questions and callers as well. I heard you on the wireless back in 52, lying awake intently tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through. Are you a small or medium-sized business owner who wants to provide a low-cost, effective health benefit for your employees? Maybe a school administrator who wants to ensure all of your students have the proper vaccines. Or maybe you're a parent trying to keep your family's medical records up to date in this pandemic time. Well, welcome to DocuVax, an easy-to-use digital locker accessible on your laptop or smartphone. It allows you to safely store and validate your basic medical information, including your immunization records, your lab results, even x-rays and MRIs and serology results. Gone are the days of losing time tracking down old medical records or sharing test results with a new healthcare provider. The DocuVax system covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, from flu and COVID and tetanus vaccines, to colorectal or breast breast cancer screenings, to blood types and allergies. To sign up, it's simple. Go to www.docuvax.com or call 833-859-1933. For as little as $6.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their medical records from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. Become a DocuVax subscriber. Medical professionals are on call for you 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, blood tests, or anything else in your medical locker. So to put an end to worrying, if you or someone you care about is up to date on a particular vaccine or test or other preventative screening, take control of your medical file and your medical life and sign up to DocuVax.com or by calling 833-859-1933. Operators are standing by. I've been You're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tusman. I'm here with my guest, Howard Mortman, who's the Director of Communications for C-SPAN. Howard, C-SPAN came into being, as we've been talking about, late 1970s. I'm sure there's been some planning before that. What did people do before 1979 if they wanted to know what their representative was saying on the floor of Congress? 
Yeah, uh, so a couple. Of, that's a great question, and uh, I, I love that because every I do um, I do some speaking in front of uh, for college students, uh, for journalism students, and I love it. And it's you know the, the young people, people you know. So C-SPAN, what we're forty two, forty three years old. Um, you know, if you're, I was born in sixty seven, so I was born before there was cameras in the U.S. Congress, um, and you, now you so you meet now people who are far younger than 42 who don't not only don't obviously don't remember a time when you couldn't watch the u.s congress live and watch your congressman senators vote and debate but can't even envision what what that was like it's it's, it's you know it's a utility it's it's taken for granted of right. course i can watch congress and i can ignore it you know you don't have to watch it you know you're welcome to we love you too but you don't have to um so you know we're we're fortunate and this part of the transparency discussion we're fortunate to have this as American citizens, to have the ability, if you want, to see how politicians are spending your money, spending your taxpayers' money. Um, that's why you watch the hearings, you watch Congress. So, so your question is what what happened before? If you want to find out the um, well, the, the um, a, a practical way to find out, and this isn't for everybody, but a practical way is for um, to, to read the congressional record. Right, and right. So I, I met, met you're the kind of guy who would just like I you, have. You I have the, the app on my iPhone, Howard. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to admit. You're a hero. You're a hero. <laughs> Actually, for you're listeners that are that are that are political geeks or civics geeks, I, I prefer to think of myself as a civics geek. I like how government works. Uh, the 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 congressional record put out an app on on iTunes. I think probably on Android as well, and you can like get. By the next morning, you know the the what's been said the day before. It's pretty easy, easily sortable. I imagine that wasn't around though before 1979. Right, right. So no, I love that you have the app up. So I mean, you could get the Russian record mailed to you, um, but then, but on a, just on a basic, more basic level, then you're left. So you're left up at that point uh, without being able to see it for yourself, and you're not traveling to Washington to watch the debates. And you're, you're it's up to the reporters, up to the, what the media. Uh, tells you and shapes for you and it says now, you know, I'm, I'm a media guy, so I'm going to defend the industry, but you're still, as an American, this is, as an observer, as a citizen, you're at the mercy of the people who are shaping the news for you. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, like even during the time of the Vietnam War, massive, huge debates, and I mean, it's like brilliant debates on both sides of the Vietnam War. It would have been so amazing to be able to see that on television, the technology existed, um, uh, but to be able to see Vietnam War debates, to see the civil rights era debates occur, um, right. instead of just being reported on, to imagine having those on video as part of the, the, the history, uh, the television, it would be both television and political history. Um, so, so, you know, so you're up, you're left up to the mercies of the reporters who do fine work, but there's an element of you, you still just want to see it yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, Ralph Nader's, uh, I know not popular with all listeners, but one of my, one of my favorite thinkers of the latter half of the 20th century spoke really foresaw a lot of this about how information is really the currency of democracy. Whereas, um, in, in the past, it was more about the filtered information and now it's about the raw information. And I know in the pregame, I found that really interesting talking to you, Howard, about the, the concept of, you know, you, you, you think of, I'm sorry, I'm going to put it so bluntly, but C-SPAN, many yeah, listeners probably think of it as kind of, you know, boring and, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's not, it, there's no, there's no kind of spice to it. It's literally a camera on the floor. But if you think about where else 
you can get raw information. And now there are C-SPAN equivalents in state houses and state congresses around the in the country. Even at the county and municipal level, the model's been copied. There's there's nothing other than C-SPAN that is true broadcast, meaning it's not one person that went somewhere about doing a narrow cast on their own blog. And, it, and, and now so many media outlets are so much about filter and so little about the raw information. There's no other place other than the C-SPAN network where you get unblinking, unfiltered, non, I don't know what the English word is, non-commented upon raw political content. It's, 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 it's extraordinary. And I'm sure that the networks probably can get the feed and whatever and put it in the newscast, but then they're filtering it for you. So it feels like it's the only non-filtered true broadcast source for public debate in the government context in our country today. So a couple thoughts, and that's so perfectly put. The whole everything you just said. A couple of really critical points I want to kind of underscore here. Uh, very one very factual thing. You're right. It's uh, we cover at the federal level. Uh, the um, you know the uh, the you are there camera. Uh, most state legislatures have some form of this, um, like a state level C-SPAN. Not always the same funding mechanism uh, as we do. That we're fortunate to have because we probably couldn't exist. Uh, purely independent on state level. So some of them are reliant on state legislative money uh, to pay for it. But the model is there in most states to either have television coverage or at least web streaming. Um, there's a bigger point that you're making is it's, always, it's totally okay to say we're boring. Uh, you're, it's, you're just, you won't scare me by that. <laughs> That's something I've never heard before. The, <laughs> the response to that is, is a basic... I mean, I, there are things on C-SPAN that we watch, that we show, that I love, and there are things on C-SPAN that I don't, I don't dig as much. Um, and I just, you know, maybe I'll turn on, I'll go to something else, like a C-SPAN 2. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's really, we want to be there for, for people who express an interest in seeing how politicians spend their money. Um, we are not for everybody. We, have never, we, we don't want to force people to watch us. We want us to be you know, one of the choices. There are people who, and this is totally fine, there are people who, you know, get new shape for them by correspondence and by experts and panelists, and you see that all the time. You see the big hearings, the networks promote their coverage of these giant hearings, and then they, they dip in for a couple minutes and get bored and then go back to their, their panelists who they pay and they have to put on TV. Um, and that's, I, I, it sounds disparaging, but it really isn't. I mean, that is their, it's a capitalist model, you know, they're selling... And- and, you know, I think that it's it's not about the volume of the information that's thrown at you because we at this point we, we're flooded with information. We drown out so much. It's about, I think, the impact of certain moments in our life. So even those who would never qualify themselves as a regular C-SPAN fan, I would qualify myself that way. It's no accident that you're on the show, Howard. I, I, I love C-SPAN. But even even those who, who think, I, I've never really watched C-SPAN, then you say, do you remember the Anita Hill testimony at the Clarence yeah. Thomas confirmation hearings. Oh, yeah, I, I that that impacted me. Um, right. do, do you remember the Clinton impeachment uh, trial? Do you remember seeing any of that footage? Yes, yes. Um, do you remember post? I, this was one that was very um, impactful for me. I, I lost as many people who were living in New York did at the time. Several friends, um, a couple of very very dear close friends in nine eleven, and. 
afterwards the the debates um i wouldn't say it was almost like a national catharsis that took pl- that took place i shouldn't use the word debate um later of mm-hmm. course there were debates about the culpability and entry into the iraq war so for that i remember also watching in c-span but the the national catharsis and that that took place in the dialogue bipartisan dialogue um on the floor of of uh, the congress and the senate and of course all of the times that that we've you know been flipping through the channels and and then and just for a second, even, you know, just remember what it is to be in a democracy and then, you know, either see yeah. our representative on the floor. To, and it's what's amazing is the the, the breadth of discussion that uh, that occurs um, in the in the representative branch that that we often are not aware of because we just pick up those snippets in the press. Oh, yeah, you're, you're boy, that you nailed it. The breadth is that's so important. There's the foreign policy. There's domestic policy. There's budget. You could. I mean, just to be extremely topical, just for today, you, you know, there, it's only going to be a matter of days before there's going to be hearings into Wall Street, into the GameStop, uh, right. the hedge funds. Um, so, like everything that we as a country face, and, and obviously there have been, you know, it's been a years full of COVID hearings. So, you know, real issues um, that face Americans, the hot button, meaty social issues, are constantly debated in the hearings and on the floor. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, these are issues that affect everybody's lives. So, so sure, if you've got a, if you've got a root and interest for which way the country's headed, uh, you know, you got party is got to be interested in what, what they're saying. And you guys got to be getting pretty excited. I think next week, right? The, the second impeachment, wherever you sit in the political spectrum, it's exciting from a media coverage perspective, right. the second impeachment trial of, uh, former president, uh, Donald Trump. Who's going to control the cameras, Howard? Well, I love your question. Uh, it's we are not, you know. That's um, uh, the. Uh, it's still. It's a Senate proceeding, uh, and they're going to gavel in. And this, we. I, I'm, I'm stumped here. I forget if we were going to ask. I think we typically, as a routine, ask to be allowed in for that. Um, uh, but we are we're typically denied the entrance. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm kind of fumbling here because I can't recall if we're doing it this time. But uh, in the past, for these for the impeachment, we've asked for entrance. We've not been allowed in. It's just, it's kind of like one step below, like a state of the union address in terms of you know the access. So, the, so to be clear, to the listeners though, the, I mean the the, the the Senate will be a joint. It's joint, right? House and Senate. No, no, sorry, it's a Senate trial. The Senate cameras will be yeah. there. It's just a matter of whether there will be additional C-SPAN cameras there. Exactly right, and I don't think it, they will. But you're right. It's uh, even though there will be uh, members. Of, this is a little confusing, but even though there will be members of the House as managers leading uh, the trial or defending uh, the president, um, it's still a, a official Senate gaveled in proceeding. So right. it is uh, will be shot by the Senate controlled cameras. Yeah, gotcha. Well, we're going to take another quick break, and I'll be back with my guest Howard Mortman. We're talking about the history of C-SPAN and its effect on. American Democracy. Again, our number is 718-303-9090. I see a caller uh, waiting patiently. We'll pick you up after the break. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. Good morning, my fellow Americans. Over the past 10 years, presidents of the United States have come before the American people in times of crisis to talk about war, the threat of war. Today, I am able to talk to you in a more hopeful and positive vein about how we are moving this nation and the world toward a lasting peace. We have brought ourselves to a time of transition from war toward peace. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skin care. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, 
The dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. You're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm on with Howard Mortman, Director of Communications at C-SPAN. We're talking about the unblinking eye, the history of C-SPAN, its effect on American democracy. Before the break, I went, or right as we were going to the ad break, I should say, I put a little clip. Um, you probably recognize the voice, Howard. I did, I, you know what? I did recognize the voice. It was killing me. It sounded like a State of the Union address. Um, but I can't play. I couldn't place it. I, I, you stumped me on that. One. <laughs> I, put, I, I was looking. It was Richard Nixon, nineteen seventy-one, yeah. talking about uh, the ultimately would be years later, but the ex, you know prospective exit from the Vietnam War. And you know what? I was I was looking for the last time that there was a State of the Union that wasn't universally broadcast on TV. And oh. isn't it amazing to think? Now everything's broadcast, right? But I mean, there was an incredibly important moment. I mean, incredibly important. We were talking about um, the perspective end of the Vietnam War. The country was being torn apart, arguably more than it has been today politically. It was a time of extraordinary domestic strife, and uh, and you couldn't you couldn't see this. Forget about gavel to gavel coverage. You couldn't see the State of the Union. <laughs> In its whole, in its whole unfiltered life form. Uh, we have a, a caller who's been very patient on line one. Line one, you're on equal footing. Yes, uh, good evening. This is Stan from Forest Hills. Stan, welcome. How are you? It's cold out today. It sure is. <laughs> Howard, I remember you because you were on Zev Brenner's show a couple of weeks ago. I asked you one or two questions. And uh, you're back Stan, for another round. <laughs> Stan, would it shock you? I actually remember you, Stan, from Forest Hills. I totally remember you, man. Thank you. Okay, great. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to hear your voice again, and I know you're on the job. Two things. One, this is a more serious one. Uh, have, I know when the insurrection happened on the 6th, the cameras went off on C-SPAN, which I thought was a terrible mistake, because you didn't know what was going to happen, but they shut them off. Was that correct? So, uh, one, I tell you what, I, that, that's such an important question. Um, I can answer that. I, I think it was off. Well, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think it was off. Well, let, let's, I, let's let Howard answer. Yeah. Okay, so, so Stan, thank you. First of all, Stan, nice to hear you again. <laughs> it's a pleasure to talk and, to you. And, and, <laughs> and it's a critical question. Thank you so much for asking that. So, we, we go off the air, to use that phrase. We, our coverage of the House and the Senate ends when they gavel out, because that's when the feed provided by them ends. So on, the, on January 6th, they have the insurrection, the House, under threat, gaveled out. Um, and the Senate, I believe, gaveled out, I'm going to get the times wrong, roughly like at 2.23 or 2.15 p.m. Um, so our coverage, therefore our coverage of those chambers inside the chambers ended 
than now. It's like if, uh, at those moments. It's if, like in a mid, about a minute or so before the, the gavel down and uh, therefore the feed ended. You can hear somewhat of commotion. You know, you hear the and see the, the senators and congressmen look alarmed. Uh, you know, talk about you know this. Start, start scurrying around, and, and you, you see Mike Pence getting kind of escorted, yeah. quickly escorted out, right? Exactly right. Yeah, so you can see the tensing up inside. I mean, it's, it's for us, it's dramatic. I mean, to see the tensing up inside, but but no. So Stan, so the minute that they gaveled out, but when they got ushered out by the by the security, that's when the feed uh, went went to black, basically, and then then therefore we stopped our coverage of it. So basically, the. The pictures we saw were from iPhones or from cameras, probably. So, were like C-SPAN or other camera people there from the other networks. It was all all uh, people who had iPhones and so forth. Is that correct? It was not necessarily. Yeah, I, but we saw a lot. We saw a lot. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, you know what? So a couple of things. You're, you're totally right. All the coverage from inside the chamber after the cable doubt is all. You're right. It's all from the iPhones and such. Now. For me, it was really disorienting because I'm so used to never seeing those, that, those videos, never seeing what the chamber looks like when they're out and when there's not the official angle is provided. And so it's, I mean, it's obviously a terrible moment in, in history, but it's also, as a television guy, it was fascinating to see uh, different angles inside that you'd never see, and that's all because you're right, the, the media or the... the uh, the rioters themselves taking the videos. So that so could you have made could you have made a decision when this was happening to keep the cameras rolling or saying, hey, we need to cover this. This is important. It's part of what's going on. But you went off just a couple of minutes too soon. Am I right about that? Well, they're not. They're they're not your cameras, right? I mean, that's part of. I mean, if you no, they go get... off automatically when they say they're close, right? Well, it's not our decision to make. It's it, it, that's the Senate recording uh, studio. And okay. So what I'm, my point is. Did the FBI ask C-SPAN for anything in terms of tape? Did they contact your office or say with anything in that regard? Uh, I suspect that's they got it from the iPhone. Yeah, that's a fun question. I'm actually, if I could take my C-SPAN hat off for a second, that's actually, I love that question. Uh, the answer is not to no or slash not that I'm aware of, um, but we mm-hmm. wouldn't have anything to provide anyways because we weren't showing anything. So it's really... It's, it, to, to take your question a little bit differently, it would—it's really, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it would be going to the Senate Recording Studio and asking, did their cameras turn off? And, and actually, I, I, I think Stan, you you hit on an issue that Howard and I talked about pregame, and I've I have a second question. Show. Go ahead, go ahead. No, sure. no problem. But you, you hit on this issue that is actually important. It's it's not as transparent as we think, and and it's not no, it's, no, not, it's no, not Howard's not. fault. It's not C-SPAN's no. fault. But the reality is that the the House and the Senate, even to this day in 2021, are not allowing universal or ubiquitous There's access. To access. Sure. There's the angles who you're seeing. Right, everything's absolutely. being dictated by those. And and in my research for the show, I mean, C-SPAN is very much has a reputation of being very staid and 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 very um, you know much more uh, less combative than than the other networks, of course. But even C-SPAN, you know, uh, during the different impeachment trials and even in, in confirmation hearings for Supreme Court, has at times uh, registered objections to this point. No, that's true, is, right, Howard? Uh, yeah. Oh, we've. Yeah, I mean, we we've asked for. Yeah, we've objected to restrictions, absolutely. I mean, we have a history of, of wanting more coverage of 
of uh, adding our own cameras to the mix. Yeah, there's, and, you know, as we mentioned, Supreme Court, so, you know, we have a history of of, of requesting, fighting for whatever word you want to use to get more coverage. Sure. It reminds uh, me of another Ralph Nader quote, is bureaucracy always seeks the path of least disclosure. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, I have a go ahead, question. Sam. Shoot. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, C-SPAN, I don't know if they still do it, sell, if you wanted to buy, for example, William Jefferson Clinton's impeachment, which I bought on VHS, by the way, the complete, because uh, that was historical, and I bought the when he testified, which is historical. Uh, I suspect Donald Trump's. Do you still sell, if I wanted to get uh, Donald Trump's impeachment, complete impeachment, mm-hmm. or even this new one, <laughs> the second round, can one still purchase it, or have they switched the DVD? What is the situation? Can we still purchase tapes of events in the House and Senate, and again, impeachments, which are historical? You're so smart, Stan. First of all, the only thing from C-SPAN you absolutely have to buy is the new Howard Mortman book when Rabbi's Bless. <laughs> We're going to get to that in the next song. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, seriously, we um, uh, a couple things. Uh, all of our video is available uh, online for free. Um, they free? Watch online. Uh, yeah, it, it's digitized, and you can use it now. We do sell, uh, we still sell the DVDs and the and, and you can download, we sell downloads. Uh, it, it, the selling means only to cover the, the administrative costs of doing so. Um, we're not making any money off of this. Uh, but, no, if you go to cspan.org and you search and you find something you like, the, the Trump impeachment, you know, you could download it, you can clip it, you can share it, or you can even uh, purchase it as an But they're on DVD, uh, Howard? On DVD? Yeah, I believe the DVDs are still part of the mix. I think so, yeah, yeah. Stan, I, I, I really appreciate you calling in. I, I want to get to a couple of things here before we uh, sure, finish no this problem. segment. So, I hope to talk to you again. Stan, Stan, you're the best. I want to keep in touch with you, man. Thank you. Okay, anytime. <laughs> Just tell Dolph. I don't know where to find me. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was great. I, I, I want to... Um, I want to go to this issue of the prayers that occur in Congress, kind of switching gears in a moment. But before we do that, I've got a couple of uh, text questions here, which I I want to get to. Um, sure. So, uh, okay, hang on here. Okay, so uh, Les is asking, L-E-S, um, is asking about, what brought it into being? Was it actually a, con- a connection directly from Watergate, or was it a re- it was it some sort of um, regulatory issue related to the foundation of the cable industry? No, 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 no. It was um, it was well. It's if those are the choices, it definitely wasn't the second one. It was it might if you want to place it in the historical spectrum. Um, sure, coming out of Watergate, uh, and this goes back to everything we've been saying this whole time about transparency of learning more what your government is up to. It's, it's in that broader societal change of wanting to know more, probably. It, I mean, it's not, it's not a result of Watergate. Now, Watergate's actually interesting because Watergate had hearings um, that were seen on TV um, that PBS famously uh, broadcast. Well, that was my thought, time. is that it must have been like a forerunner to, to C-SPAN, even just from a media awareness perspective. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, and even before that, you had... And you're going to love this as a fellow uh, political nerd. You, could, you had the um, the Estes Kefauver, um, 
hearings, I believe, the, the organized crime were on, uh, were televised in some way. And, wow. you know, obviously we've all seen the clips of the McCarthy hearing. So, you know, there have been TV cameras allowed in, I believe, and I forgive me if I'm going to get this history wrong, I think Watergate was the first, like, complete, full set from beginning to end hearings. That's and my I, understanding. Forgive me to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, so... So, yeah, but you're I mean, right. I did so turn up in my research that there were some hearings related to organized crime um, led mm-hmm. by Bobby Kennedy that that uh, right. Were, were, right were broadcast. Uh, okay. I, by the way, here isn't this great? You get immediate feedback in this day and age. Um, so uh, I, we have a message here from Robert in Baltimore, who is clarifying that the congressional record uh, was started in 1873, and that starting then you could actually get. Uh, telegraphs i don't know if this is true or not but you could get telegraphs the next day um of of uh of congress of what was said on on the record it, it, it was interesting to me in, in reading that is um obviously something must have been a watershed event and before 1873 i wonder if there's any records of what was said on the floor <laughs> okay 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 so so let's have fun here let, let, let's, there's two things um let's first robert from baltimore is absolutely right in fact Robert from Baltimore nailed it. The first congressional record was March 20th, 1973. Uh, it was coverage of, they put in the coverage of the second inauguration of Ulysses Grant um, when he was, uh, the second time he, he, when he won re-election, was inaugurated. And okay. since Robert mentioned the telegraph, uh, in the fifth paragraph of what Ulysses Grant said in his inaugural address, which was reprinted in the congressional record, he talked about how the telegraph is changing communications forever uh, in America. So uh, <laughs> that was the fifth paragraph of Ulysses S. Grant's Inaugural Address, which is in the very first uh, issue of the Congressional Record uh, on page two. Now, the second point, before that, there was something called the Congressional Globe. And the Congressional Globe, uh, for, I believe, a couple decades, I may have that wrong, appeared in essence that was a forerunner to the, um, the Congressional Record. Um, so one problem about the earliest Congressional records is that they, some of them don't have full text, or there are some missing if you go backwards. But but no, your Robert is right. The 1873 was the first one. Yes, you know it makes me. Th- I can't remember my eighth grade you know, civics teacher, but uh, <laughs> it makes me think of those that that those lessons about the Aaron Burr. You know Alexander Hamilton stuff that that went on in the early part of the 19th century, and, and I, I think that didn't that happen on the floor. I'm going to embarrass myself. That was on the floor of the Senate, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get mixed, I'm going to get mixed up with Lynn Miranda's version here. So. But I, I would imagine that there must not have been an actual, um, you know, tr- uh, what's the word, transcription, because otherwise we would have learned about. It. We would have actually seen this transcription, you know, when we were right. studying it, whereas we're told about the personal conflicts and pulling out of swords or guns or whatever. Anyway, we're going to take one more break here, and then we'll be back, and we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about prayers and religious. Um, invocations and so forth on the on the floor of uh, i don't know the congress the senate we'll we'll see we'll be back on equal footing in a minute
Tonight's program of Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is brought to you by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art Capital offers financing to watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere in the world. Unlock the cash value of your watch collection or inventory through Mechanical Art Capital's guaranteed buyback contracts. For more information, call 833-209-0972. That's 833-209-0972. Operators are standing by. You can also go to www dot mechanical art capital.com at mechanical art capital you get wired funds quickly and discreetly in two business days or less your timepieces are stored in a secure location in manhattan new york you can have your watches back whenever you're ready safe and simple get the cash you need contact mechanical art capital at 833-209-0972 i've been calling Okay, we're we're on equal footing, geeking out about the history of the congressional record. Let's see how many listeners we can scare away. I'm with, with Howard Mortman, a DC media veteran, director of communications for C-SPAN. One of my favorite things to do is watch watch C-SPAN. Okay, Howard. You have written yes, a really cool book, which I was able to get on Amazon last week and have had fun reading called When Rabbis Bless Congress, The Great American Story of Jewish Prayers on Capitol Hill. And I imagine some of this has been caught on C-SPAN. Tell us, tell us about this. What, what brought, what engendered this project? And give us a little bit of a sense of, of how important how this history has been of rabbis on the floor of Congress. Yeah, so thank you. Um, this is a direct out, this, this project, uh, and it, I started it in 2014 of uh, really keying in on this. Um, this is a direct result of me watching Congress for a living. Um, and I, I, just watching every session of the House and every session of the Senate gavel in every morning, the first thing they do in every session is pray. Uh, there's a chaplain, the chaplain goes up to the rostrum. And they open it with a prayer. And they open it with a prayer even before the Pledge of Allegiance. It is literally the very first thing Congress does every time they meet. Uh, so I, no, nobody has ever studied that. I mean, there, there, there might be people who have noted when a chaplain has said something, but it just as a tradition, as a custom, as a history, uh, it's never been approached. Now, maybe because it's not controversial and you know, you're praying to God and, you know, messages of spirituality. So there's, there's no real, there's no real sizzle there. Mm-hmm. But it just intrigued me. You know, the whole the whole practice intrigued me. Um, so I started just really watching the prayers and just be really interested in what the chaplains and there are official chaplains in the House and the official chaplain in the Senate, government positions paid for by the staff and all that. Um, there are occasions when the official chaplains are not there for whatever reason. They might be doing other administrative duties. They might be out of town. Uh, but for whatever reason, they then turn it over to a guest chaplain, and that's a guest chaplain is, as the name implies, someone who a member or uh, of the cloth, a clergyman or clergywoman, mm-hmm. comes up and, and offers the prayer instead. Now, the, here's the part of the story where it comes in that I'm Jewish, and on occasion, uh, the guest Howard chaplain, Mortman, I would have never guessed. <laughs> you would never guess. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's go back talking about the congressional record again. I'm on safe ground. The, uh, the, uh, so on occasion, the, uh, a rabbi comes in and gives a prayer. Now, 
that's where my story begins. I, I suddenly became very interested. And I'm not a religious guy. You know, I slunk out of religious school, you know, the whole thing. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a trained academic or a historian. I'm just, I was just intrigued by this whole thing that was happening. So I created a Google uh, uh, Excel spreadsheet, and I started going through and, and going back. And this, I have to mention the congressional record here. I started going through the congressional records and all that, and I put together a spreadsheet of every rabbi who's ever prayed in Congress um, cool. going back to 1860. So I created that. never existed. No one was ever written about it. And out of that, it just took a matter of, I mean, it took a couple of years to put all this together, but I wrote it. A manuscript out of that, of with two main uh, buckets, uh, who they are and what they said, and it's just the history of rabbis who have prayed in Congress. And these have all been guests, right? Because I imagine the chaplain, the regular chaplain, is of the Christian faith. Yeah, that's a very important point. These are all guest chaplains. The, uh, the official chaplains have always been Christian. There have only been two Catholics. Um, uh, the current one, the current official chaplain in the, in the Senate. Uh, Barry Black is a Seventh-day Adventist, uh, the current, uh, the brand-new, cha- yeah, uh, he, he's actually an amazing uh, speaker, he's a Seventh-day Adventist, um, and the current um, uh, House chaplain, brand-new, three weeks on the job, she, the first woman um, chap- official chaplain, uh, uh, um, uh, Chaplain Margaret Grun Kibben, a Presbyterian, they're both retired uh, Navy admirals, uh, so it's actually. I heard the, the uh, Senate chaplain speak. I think as they were reinaugurating the session, certifying the votes after the after the riot, and it was uh, it was quite inspiring. He's quite a quite. I was surprised. I I, I figured I would I would tune out, um, but I I was uh, I was enthralled by the way he said. It. And obviously, those guys, whether it's a guest chaplain or not, you know, must have a challenge in bringing people together in prayer that are often, right after the prayer is done, going to be going at each other in, uh, in, yeah. in, in vociferous debate. Yeah, you, you, look, you're totally right. The, um, as far as Barry Black's prayer, uh, that concluded, I think it was like 3 in the morning, uh, the right. session after the insurrection. You know, you normally you get uh, at least a couple days to prepare these prayers, or you have advance warning. You don't have any advance warning that you know, there's an insurrection of riot inside your chambers, and now I want you to have a prayer about it at the end. But he, he pulled together, I thought, oh, extemporaneous God. and beautiful. Yeah. Well, I encourage yeah. listeners to order this book, When Rabbis Bless Congress, The Great American Story of Jewish Prayers on Capitol Hill. Whether you're Jewish or not, it's really a neat um, kind of walk through through history from a different perspective. Uh, speaking of history, while we were talking, I, w- I kind of—I wasn't going to bring this up before, as I was when I was thinking. I was like, I think I was on C-SPAN once, and I was actually—you you guys have a great library. I was able to find myself on C-SPAN. I was on a panel at the Clinton administration on April eighth, two thousand, called "The New Economy and Government," and it's there. The video is there, like an hour. Oh. So it's a, that's that's cool. Like I, I, you know what? You know what I did at that at that event, Howard? I was a punk you know internet ceo and at 29 or years old or whatever and i i gave bill clinton my business card oh. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was such a diplomatic guy he, like received it put it in his pocket goofy thing. Uh. all right well we we don't have that much time left but i'm going to abstract back and for those who who are kind of came in midstream we're talking about the history of C-SPAN and its effect on American democracy. C-SPAN's been around doing gavel-to-gavel coverage of uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate starting in the late 1970s and has really been an unblinking eye 
And Howard, as we often do at the end of, of this show, I'm going to challenge you to take the opposite position to transparency. Because I imagine what you do, as I believe also, you, you, you got to be on the transparency train that, you know, maximum information is the, uh, what is the, the famous Thomas Jefferson quote that the price of freedom is eternal vigilance and the, you know, uh, the, the James Madison idea that, that uh, you know, democracy without maximum information is but prologue to a farcer tragedy. So we, we live in a, a society in which we assume the more transparency, the better. But there is increasingly now a debate around appropriate censorship, around when, when voices shouldn't be given a platform. Uh, and if you could take a moment and play the devil's advocate, what would be the reason for C-SPAN? And I'm, I'm being serious here. What would, what would be the, op, the point of view that C-SPAN should not exist, that those cameras should not be on all the time? In, in the sure. legislative branch. So what I can do, I look. That's totally. That's a great intellectual exercise. Uh, I can. I can actually, in re- reality, present arguments against C-SPAN that I, or against transparency that I've heard. I don't, as you say, devil's advocate. I'm, this is, these are not my positions, but you know, the biggest one that looms out there is always that politicians can't help themselves. That they are playing for the cameras. That everything they do is structured, and particularly now in a social media age, it's structured in a way to get the visibility, to get the clicks. Um, even uh, uh, things you see on the, on the floor of Congress, such as the charts and the props they bring there, never would have existed were it not for the cameras right. that show them. They're hamming so, it up. You know, the, exactly, hamming it up, yeah, totally. Uh, and that's actually, I mean, that's a real-life argument that the justices at the Supreme Court, we mentioned there's no cameras in the court, the justices say, well, the um, that you can't trust the lawyers. The lawyers will ham it up, or the lawyers will play to the cameras. Uh, oh, I say, I say, I say hogwash. I think they're they're <laughs> afraid, you know, because you hear rumors about the some Supreme Court justices like literally, you know, nodding off while arguments are being made, or <laughs> you know, kind of never asking a question over an entire led, you know judicial session or whatever. So anyway, but I, I hear you. <laughs> Well, and, and by the way, that it, it, yeah, I, you're gonna get, I'm going to get out of character really fast because the, it's not only the hogwash, but the answer to that is, you know, if, if you're a lawyer and you're from the Supreme Court, you know, they could sniff you out if you're not for real and you're right. you're hamming up for the camera. This isn't like the OJ trial. I mean, you know, like, these are serious people, you know. So, no, but that's I mean, that's the big argument. You know, then you hear that um, you know, then you hear arguments against cameras like in hearings that you have protesters, Code Pink and others who right. just want to get on TV and all that. So, you know, the, the argument's always been that cameras change human behavior, that people just act differently uh, when you're, they're around, or you don't do a protest unless there's a camera there. Um, so that's those are like the 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 most prominent arguments I've heard against. Well, I appreciate the, the government. intellectual honesty. Uh, Howard, it's been great to have you on the show. God bless the work that you're doing. God bless C-SPAN. God bless America. I love that we live in a society where we have uh, nonstop gavel-to-gavel coverage of our legislative branch. Howard, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I hope to have you on again. Well, there's nothing like an hour of congressional record reading with Dove. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, have a great night. See you next week. America, land that I love, 
Oh.